We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's April, it's spring, and we are finally starting to get back out into the world. And if your abushi is looking a little too abushi, you might want to get that taken care of before it becomes a fucking problem on your next big date. Use that tax filer money to grab yourself a Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and take care of your truly offensive line. I can't rhyme with Lindsley, but I am perfectly groomed, and that is a winning record anyone can get behind. Use that code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off. Without further ado, here's the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Joining me as always are Tyler and Alex, aka City Walk and Rock, Paper, Scissors. Uh, we'll start with you, Rock, Paper, Scissors. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. I just wanted to start with a quick icebreaker. We can just do that. And uh, yeah, no, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people hate Nick Sirianni so much. He just like he likes to play Rock, Paper, Scissors. And because the Alabama wide receivers played Rock, Paper, Scissors, Jalen Waddell or Devonta Smith confirmed. Uh, yeah, I guess that's one thing to say. As long as he's not asking them uh, which coach that they would want to punch in the face if they had the chance, I think he's okay. Um, or why does he look at so many Instagram models? I think he's doing okay. Um, City Walk, Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I think there are many coaches that players would want to punch in the face. They just won't say it. Um, I'm sure there were a couple of times we all wanted to punch Shane Steichen in the face last season, yes. as well as Anthony Lynn. But this season, no punching so far. Yeah, you know, reading, uh, I don't know who else wrote uh, read Bruce Feldman's uh, story today from The Athletic, uh, but I certainly wanted to go punch a few coaches in the faces after reading that article. So uh, we've got a fun show for you guys today. But before we get started, I do just want to say if you if you are listening to us, uh, you know, on a podcast platform, please leave us a rating or review. Uh, we always appreciate that feedback and those do really help us grow our portfolio and our profile. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, watching us on YouTube, uh, please hit that subscribe button, turn on those notifications, and make sure you're not missing any kind of content. Uh, we just published our June's first Chargers Analytics episode, which was fantastic, kind of going over the uh, pass versus run ratio. I think he did a fantastic job. And then tomorrow we'll have Scott Simpson's uh, fantasy breakdown as well going up on our YouTube channel. So definitely check those out. We got a lot of great content coming your way, and all subscriptions or notifications, likes, comments, they all help us grow our portfolio so 
That being said, we are going to talk about a few things. The focus of our episode today is kind of going over these uh, nightmare scenarios, if you will, that could come next week, which is going to be so cool. You guys will be listening to this officially one week away from the draft. So before we get started there, though, we did want to talk about the official news that the Chargers and everybody else in the league is going to be able to change their numbers if they so choose. Um, Alex, you kind of had a general reaction to this about you know the Joey Bosa ninety nine thing. So I'll get your I'll get your thoughts here first about the NFL officially passing that rule to allow players on the outside to go numbers one through fifty if they choose. Yeah, I mean personally, I don't really care about it, and I think it's cool if you know you kind of have an old jersey, but that's also because I'm hipster. Um, and I think that well, there was a there was a bit of an asterisk with that because they said that players could start changing their jerseys this season. But if they want to change their number, they have to pay uh, for whatever was left in terms of the, you know, uh, inventory. Yeah, yeah, inventory that they had. So that's kind of like, okay, you can change your number. But in 2022, after people, you know, not after people bought the jerseys. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a technicality, but I I just don't really care about it. I mean, if Derwin James wants to wear three, like I, I think that's kind of a cooler number anyway i mean i don't know what people think about that but for me everyone going into this like whole oh it's unprofessional to wear these numbers i'm like yeah (laughs) because you've seen only college players wear them and the nfl has had these weird rules like that's why your brain is conditioned that way um so i don't care i mean as long as we don't get like quarterbacks wearing 72 or something like some ugly number I, I don't care. I, I think it's fine. And I actually think receivers wearing single digits is cool too. Sue me. <laughs> um, I don't have much to add outside of that. I really don't care all that much either. Do what you want with your number. If you have to buy the whole inventory, go for it. Uh, I don't know how much that would cost. I'm not really sure how many, you know, Justin Herbert jerseys there are printed or Kenneth Murray jerseys or, or Derwin James jerseys, but right. have at it. If you can afford to buy all those old jerseys, first of all, um, give it out. Like I'll take, I'll like I'll take an old, like whatever. If you're already buying it and there's nothing to do with it, give it away. Sign it. Do whatever right. you want. Um, it's it's your shit. Um, but otherwise, you know, I'm I'm just glad I've been cheap these last few years because I haven't bought a new jersey outside of like you know some older like older Philip Rivers like Junior Seau kind of jerseys. So haven't bought any new player jerseys for a while, except for I know I did. I bought a Trayvon Johnson jersey. Number 50. If you have no idea who that is, that's completely fine. <laughs> it's a long story, guys. <laughs> so I do have that jersey, um, but he's no longer on the team. So no number change, just no team. Yeah, super cool story, right? Uh, yeah. Just it didn't really last. Um, yeah, I saw some people that were like, oh, I have four Duran James jerseys. And I'm like, that's... <laughs> why do you have four Duran James jerseys? Get another player. One for each game. <laughs> One for each game. I, know. I-, I love having jerseys, man. I, I you know, I'm. I do have a 99 Bosa, which was kind of annoying yeah. because I bought it like literally, you know, I, I got it as a Christmas present. And then like two months later, he was like, I'm changing to number 97. <laughs> so the timing of it was more annoying than anything else. But like, uh, this is just kind of why in general, I'm a little more careful about buying jerseys. You know, I, I ended up last year choosing an Austin Eckler over Derwin James, frankly, just because, you know, I, Austin Eckler had the extension. I knew that he was going to be on the team. I knew that he was going to be, you know, a little more safer of a purchase. So, I don't really care. I think single-digit receivers, single-digit corners is fine. I personally kind of hate the idea of having a single-digit linebacker, though. I think that's kind of 
like uh, Kenneth Murray switching to number nine. I'm like, cool, good for you. I just think it's, I like the way that 56 looks. I think whenever I think of a linebacker, I I, I tend to gravitate towards numbers yeah. in the 50s. So mm-hmm. I think receivers and DBs is fine. Uh, linebackers is okay too, but it, it's just, it's going to take me some getting used to, just like the whole 17 game schedule is going to take me to, uh, some getting used to as well. Also, like, I don't know, players might change their minds because uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis had that whole thing last year where they wanted to change to 6-23, yeah. and 23, and then Nike said, no, we can't do that because of inventory or whatever, and then they just kept the same numbers. So, I mean, maybe yeah. I'll get lucky. I mean, I, I can imagine a player like Kenneth Murray wants to go out and buy, I don't know, 500 Kenneth Murray jerseys. On a so rookie contract? Just, on a rookie contract, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're, you know, in year 15, like, sure, go for it, but. You know, like Patrick Queen today was like tweeting at Lamar Jackson was like, how much you want for number eight? And it's like, are you are you really going to give up all that money and all the money for the, all these jerseys? Like, I don't know. I, I just can't imagine that this impacts many people, at least for 2021. I think, you know, 2021, like Mike Williams, if he leaves to another team after next year, probably wear number seven. But, you know, for 2021, I, I can't imagine it changes that many affects that many players. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll affect too many players either. And like, just just diversify your jersey portfolio, right? It's like investments. You know, you got to get uh, your don't don't buy four Derwin James jerseys. <laughs> if you sink all your money into all of them, you know, you want you got a uh, Herbert, you got a Eckler, you got you just diversify, and then you won't be as disappointed when I don't know Herbert changes his number to sixty nine or whatever. Like, <laughs> just, <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta diversify, man. Yeah, oh, but you're man. talking to an audience where everyone just bought Dogecoin like a ton, and they all started to do a Dogecoin day yeah. yesterday. So well, I don't think they're people, diversifying anything anytime soon. People do that with their I, I don't know, like GameStop. People hop on Dogecoin, whatever people on the internet <laughs> tell them to do. It's like just just learn to buy your own shit, and you know, just figure it out on your own. Don't listen to peer pressure. There you go. Well said, Alex. So the other kind of news that we didn't really get to talk about uh, earlier was the fact that uh, a lot of these teams really are, are kind of opting out of the quote unquote voluntary mini camps, right? Like they've always been voluntary, but they've always kind of been required. So um, the Chargers have said uh, they have sent a message to the players union that at least some of them will choose to opt out of, of the voluntary mini camps. You know, they've been doing a lot of virtual work anyway. So, um, you know, I think this could impact a lot of veteran players. I don't think this is going to impact many younger players. You know, we've seen even Derwin James kind of living at the facility recently. So, Tyler, what do you make of the NFL in general, you know, taking this kind of stance or the players union rather, I should say, uh, and how it impacts the Chargers specifically? I was reading Michael Peterson's article and he said, you know, following this announcement, you know, luckily, last year's virtual offseason did not show to be detrimental to the on-field product. I don't know if I feel uh, I agree with that because every team was losing a key player by like week two. And then the Chargers yeah. lost almost every single player uh, from there on out. But if this is going to impact and maybe help the younger players more, that's great because there are nine rookies on the way right now. Well, yeah, now. I mean, <laughs> I guess what I would say is. I don't know if like the all the injuries were last year were because they weren't doing workouts in April. Like I don't know if yeah. that carries over all the way. Like someone, you know, some dude didn't tear his ACL because you know he didn't work out hard enough. You know, jumping. You, just, you just jinxed it, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they did the, volunt- the voluntary workouts in 2018, and that was when Hunter Henry tore his ACL, right? Like I mean, so you know, players just get lucky and unlucky and. 
you know, it's not like players are going to stop working out. Like, I mean, unless you're Darius Bradwell, but it's not like, <laughs> Shit. It's, it's not like players, it's not like players are just going to like stop working out and become, you know, heftier or whatever. Like they're going to still be in shape and they'll show up in, you know, the <laughs> <Deontay> first, <Brown. laughs> Oh gosh, <laughs> the first week of July and it'll be fine. Like I, I don't feel like it had much of a detrimental impact to last season. Like, but yeah. I know there were more injuries, but you know, some years you get more, some years you get less and well, the chargers, it's always more, <laughs> but I, I just don't think you really like are going to have a much more decreased product because of this. Like this was the same way it was last year. And I think unlike last year, I mean, they're probably going to get into training camp in July and it seems like they yeah. will actually have a preseason. So uh, I, I don't think it'll be, seriously detrimental in any way yeah i don't necessarily disagree with what michael peterson was saying because to me like the more important aspect of it is like what alex is saying you know a full training camp and a preseason and you know i think people kind of have undervalued preseason in terms of younger players and i i totally understand why veterans have kind of taken this stance of like we want it gone and, and stuff like that and you know and that makes sense to me um but if you look at like what the rams have been doing the last couple of years is that they they only play the young players in the preseason games. And I think that's really how it should be um, because those games are so valuable. Like you know, everybody who loves Easton stick, right? Like it, it would have maybe been a little bit different if we had seen a preseason of Easton stick last year, same with kind of Jerry Tillery, Trey Pipkins. So to me, that's the more important aspect of it. As, as long as these players are able to, you know, kind of, you know, establish relationships with the coaching staff, with their other teammates, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Scott Questenberry were, golf, were golfing today. So there are other ways to kind of grow that bond with your teammates besides just, you know, working out as, as a team. So as long as that's happening, and, and I mean, Brandon Staley installed that defense last year with the Rams, you know, almost 90% of the offseason was virtual. So I am I'm a little hesitant to say, like, it's a good thing because I think more football is always good for these young players. But I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either. Yeah, I mean, pr pretty much in the same boat. I, I don't think it'll have much of an impact in terms of the actual product you see on the field. And, you know, I, if it prevents, you know, some bad injury in training camp, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And, you know, and we're, you know, while people are getting vaccinated and, you know, COVID is still around, right? And not everyone right. does have access to uh, a vaccination everywhere. So, I mean, just being safety and precautious with something that isn't super relevant. I mean, I think that's probably the best thing to do. Yeah, totally agree there. So definitely something to keep an eye on, but you know, I don't think we know enough about how this is going to pan out to like really say so. Right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, we're going to move on now to these draft scenarios. I had one in mind I wanted to start with, and then Tyler tweeted out today, the idea of the Chargers potentially taking Najee Harris at 13. So uh, we're going to start with the, the idea of the Chargers taking a running back here. Uh, Tyler, I'll have you start with maybe making the argument for drafting Najee Harris and maybe kind of your thought process of, of how you got to that point. Uh, so kick us off there with Najee Harris at 13. Yeah, I was getting blackout drunk. No, um, <laughs> Najee Harris at 13. Look, I think this is, I keep coming back to this. I think this is the scenario that the BPA crowd is forgetting. Like for some reason, yeah. it just stops at corner and wide receiver, but never goes to running back. Um, you could see a world where Harris is the best player available, depending on who goes in front of the Chargers, of course. Because if the Chargers really want an offensive weapon and they're choosing between Bateman and Harris or ETN and Harris or like Elijah Moore and Harris, Harris is probably the better weapon. Um, let's see what else. Telesco has traded up for a running back before, so that is possible. Uh, you can't trust the running backs behind Eckler. Frankly, you can't trust Eckler as it is. Um, they do what run. They will likely run a lot of play action this year. Um, they're going to use that two backs, that one A to one B, like a Murray Kamara sort of deal. Um, you know, and for those who say like, "Oh, that's that's a redundant pick because they have Eckler." Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Waddle's kind of a redundant pick, at least for this year, because they have two of the highest paid receivers in the league yeah. on the team. So um, while I do not, I'm not advocating for this. This is part of a right. worst case scenario sort of thing. I like there are reasons I could see this happening. You know, we we had this conversation a while back about Javante Williams in the second round. Yeah. And, you know, Tyler and I, I don't know how Alex feels about Javante Williams, but Tyler and I really, really like Javante Williams. And I tried so hard to make him my RB1 over Najee Harris, and I just couldn't. <laughs> Najee yeah. Harris is so damn good. And you talk about what the NFL running back kind of being a dying breed and not being very valuable. But Najee Harris is a true, like, three-down back that can catch the ball out of the backfield, run routes, be effective in the screen game. He can run outside zone. He can run power runs. He might be, you know, one of the best running back prospects that we've seen in a long time. And he's he's a top 15 player for me. And I've been a very strong advocate against the running back position for the last few years. So I really like Najee Harris. Obviously, I, I would hate this pick. But, you know, I would understand – you know, why someone would say that that's the best player available. Because if you're looking at a board, you know, without Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Rayshon Slater, and maybe the receivers, depending on how you feel about them, you know, I think that is kind of a, a something that people have not talked about, about Najee Harris being the best player on the board. So, again, not advocating for this. I'm sure I probably just talked a couple people into that. But uh, please do not take a running back at 13. That would be an atrocious use of team resources. Yeah, not only would I hate this, I would hate this more than if they picked Jalen Waddle, and I would probably hate this more <laughs> than if they picked, like, I don't know, OT7. <laughs> the thing with running back, and like you mentioned the Melvin Gordon trade um, in 2015, like, that was kind of a different NFL. Like, it's weird to yeah. think about it, like, Zeke getting picked number four the year after that, um, and then getting that contract, like, We've just gotten to a point rather quickly where we're just that full running backs don't matter. Like, you know, that's kind of the overused analytical thing. But like, I just don't know if you're if you're taking a running back in the first round, like 
I can understand it if you're the Steelers and like you really have a hole there or maybe like the Chargers in 2015, like where they really had no one because, you know, Ryan Matthews was was pretty much done. Um, and so they, they really had no one in the backfield. So in that case, maybe I can understand it. But I mean, they do have Austin Eckler and they do have some decent running backs behind them. Like, I just I don't see the analytic or Tom Telesco, who's become, I think, more increasingly analytical or not just him, but also the league as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think the league is dumb enough. Well, some general managers. Um, <laughs> I don't think the league is dumb enough to take running backs that high anymore uh, yeah. at that point. I mean, I think some team will take Najee Harris within the top 25 because he's Najee Harris and he's really good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the, te- uh, the team that takes him is going to, you know, have an overwhelming amount of needs at the other positions like, uh, like the Chargers do. So I don't know. I The only way I could see that really coming to fruition is like if you create some nightmare scenario where like only three quarterbacks go in the top 10 and then, you know, like Waddle, yeah. Smith, Sertan, Darisol, Horn, somehow are all gone. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I really feel like that's kind of the only case. And in that case, I feel like the Chargers might trade down anyway. So um, in that nightmare kind of scenario. Yeah, th- that's definitely a scenario that I, I am hoping to avoid. Um, it, I'm glad you mentioned the Steelers because, you know, I was listening to uh, the Locked On Draft podcast with Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak, which if you're not listening to that podcast, you absolutely should. I think those two gentlemen are fantastic at what they do. Um, and they've been doing this guest mock draft series and they get beat writers from each team on their podcast. And this guy from the Steelers was saying that, no, like Najee Harris makes a lot of sense. It checks a lot of boxes. Like I think that for the Steelers, at least not for the Chargers. Um, and I just like, I, I can't wrap my head around taking a running back in the first round, even if it's Najee Harris, especially for a team, you know, like the Steelers are potentially losing their, their left tackle. They could still bring Villanueva back. But they lost their longtime center. They lost Bud Dupree. They lost their starting cornerback. They have all these needs at huge premium positions, and they're going to take a running back. Like, it's just kind of assumed that they're taking a running back. And I'm like, I I don't understand that at all, man. Like, take Creed Humphrey and then get a second-round running back, and you're probably better off. But um, it is kind of weird how the running back position has so drastically and so rapidly become just like a non-factor in terms of you know first round draft capital these days yeah i mean the running back thing is just it's weird to me if you're considering taking a running back in the first round just because all the talent is at the top of the draft and you're gonna have some good running backs available in the second or third round anyway right i mean i know the steelers kind of struggled with like james connor for a while and you know whatever was in their backfield but that was also because, I mean, they didn't really have a good run game around them. Like, I mean, their run game the last couple of years has been putrid, even though, I mean, until this year, Roethlisberger was pretty good, thrown for 5,000 yards in some seasons. Like, they just didn't open up the run game because, I, I think, largely because of their scheme as opposed to the talent that they had. So right. it's like, you know, I, would Najee Harris make it better? Sure. But, like, you could also do a lot of other things then spend a first round pick on a running back to make that whole situation better. So Tyler, any other thoughts uh, about this scenario here? I feel like all we can do is talk about not taking Alabama players at 13 this year. (laughs) Honestly, because that's what I, that's what I was going to talk about next. So um, I tweeted this out, you know, kind of the scenario that 
you know, it didn't literally keep me up, but you know, it was a scenario that I thought of and I was like, damn, I would hate that so much. Um, and that's taking Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama at 13. Um, and it, it's funny because, you know, generally speaking, a player of a left tackle of his profile and pedigree. He was a five-star recruit. He won the Outland Trophy as the best offensive lineman in the country. He was a two-year starter or three-year starter at Alabama. One year, one year at guard, two at left tackle. Um, and he's got a great physical profile, tested in in the high nineties. He's got you know thirty-three and seven-eighth inch arms. So he he checks every single box typically that NFL teams are looking for in the left tackle position. But everybody kind of just assumes that he's going to be a second-round pick. So it, it's kind of a weird situation there. But to be honest with you, I, I don't think that he's out of the question at 13. You know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and several other analysts have said that most teams have their rankings around the offensive tackle really all over the map. So I personally would not be surprised if Alex Leatherwood is the third-ranked offensive tackle on the Chargers board or on another team's board. Um, what would you guys think of taking Alex Leatherwood instead of, you know, Christian Derrissaw or Tevin Jenkins at 13, like we've been kind of talking about recently? Well, I'd hit it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> simply put, like you said, we don't know where everybody else has these guys ranked. If this is going to be the most different mock draft versus real draft, I'd assume, um, comparisons that we've ever had. And also, if you want to talk about, you know, what the Chargers are looking for, or at least what Chargers fans think the Chargers are looking for. They think, okay, let's take, you know, Tevin Jenkins. He has a right tackle, but let's make him our left tackle. And if that doesn't work out, he can be our right tackle of the future. Or Elijah Vera Tucker, let's play him at left tackle. And then if it doesn't work out, we'll play him at left guard. I know Duke Manyweather has been working with Alex Leatherwood at right tackle as well. Yeah. So he's preparing for either side. So, it, it, again, I think it kind of fits. Like, if you can try him at left tackle, and if it doesn't work out, maybe you have your all-pro right tackle down the line when maybe, you know, if comparing you know Jenkins and, and and Leatherwood, they like Leatherwood as a better left tackle, and so go for it. And then if it doesn't work out, you still get your right tackle of the future after Balaga leaves. So, I mean, I would hate this truly. I would, especially at thirteen. But um, we don't know. We don't know where these guys have them ranked, and we don't. We especially don't know where the Chargers have any of these guys ranked. But we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate. Uh, well, I would hate an Alex Leatherwood pick, but <laughs> I, I, I was about to say, I guess in terms of worst case scenarios, I think that's probably the least bad worst one because at least they still would be addressing tackle, yeah. even if you know you're probably overdrafting one over say Tevin Jenkins and Christian Darisaw. Um, f- for me, I think if you're taking an Alex Leatherwood, it means you're at least. Uh, addressing that position like i said and i i'm not sold on him over tevin jenkins i think i had alex otherwood like 43 so you know in terms of value i don't know if that's the best one in the first round but if you really right. like him and you're afraid another team is going to take him i don't know maybe you can risk that pick um it, considering it's at a position of need uh i wouldn't totally hate it but just because of value and and but it's also what we perceive as value, right? Which is right. to say, we think he's going to go in the 30s, but he may go at, you know, 13, like Steven said. Um, so I would rather take Christian Darisol just because of his uh, skill set. I would probably rather take Tevin Jenkins still too. Um, honestly, even Liam Eikenberg <laughs> over Alex Leatherwood. 
Um, but in terms of addressing a need, you know, people were very high on OT at 13 and yeah. <laughs> it would be very Tom Telesco to be like, yeah, I got you. You're OT at 13. <laughs> Alex Otherwood. Um, so you guys can't complain. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think it's a nightmare scenario, but I guess I don't think it's close to like, you know, the worst nightmare scenario. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, Nash, it's not close Nash, to a running Nash, back. Yeah. Najee Harris scares me a lot more. <laughs> right. I think it's an interesting conversation around him because, you know, like I said, like typically speaking, you know, players of his profile go a lot higher. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how this, how the league values length at the tackle position this year, because, you know, you mentioned Liam Eikenberg, he's under the 33 inch threshold. So is Elijah Vera Tucker. So is Brady Christensen. So is Jackson Carmen. Like all these players are all under there. And so, you know, it, there's there's not many players this year that are, you know, close to 34 inches. And Christian Tarasov obviously is one and Alex Leatherwood is another. So it's just an interesting scenario here. Um, Alex, what is the scenario that you wanted to talk about here in terms of, you know, maybe a nightmare scenario or, or even just, you know, like Alex Leatherwood's not really nightmare, but not one that we would love. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it would have to be somebody who's like a real reach. Like, I don't know, like if they took Joseph Osai in the first round or something, like if they really went off the board, um, I don't think it'll happen because Tom Telesco, uh, to his credit, has always drafted, you know, players around where they are. I don't think he's ever had a significant reach in the first round. Um, you could argue Mike Williams, but I think Mike Williams was going to go in like the top 15 anyway. So I, I don't think that's a big one. Right. I, I think if you really like, yeah, Alex Otherwood would be considered a big reach. But if you really went for someone that was not an offensive tackle, not a cornerback, um, I, I I guess the nightmare scenario for me at 13, honestly, as it's kind of stacking up, people are going to hate me for saying this, uh, Caleb Farley. Um, I would go as far as yep. to call that a nightmare scenario with his um, back neck injuries. And yeah. if one of Sertan or Horn is on the board um, and you take Farley with, <laughs> with the medical risks, you know, people talk about uh, Tom Telesco, like, you know, sort of taking risks on medicals, even though, you know, he's had this history in the past of taking guys and then, oops, they get injured at the NFL level. Um, so I don't know. For, for me, I guess I would say banking it on somebody who has had a lot of injuries concerns me with that first pick. Um, to, to some extent, you can go with the guys in, in the later rounds. Like, you know, if, if you want to take a shot in like the third round or, like I said on our safety podcast, like fourth or fifth round on Hamza Nasruddin, like that's something where I think it's that's like, fine, okay, yeah, yeah you, you could take a shot. But I'm, I'm not saying Caleb Farley specifically <laughs> before people come at me, but just a player who has had a lot of injury history in the in the first round, I think, is a risk that I don't know this team can take. So that would mean that Jalen Phillips is in that same conversation, and so yep. is Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom, yeah. Um, I, I I don't think Greg Newsom is quite in the same conversation as Caleb Farley, though, because a lot of yeah. Greg Newsom's injuries were more minor versus you know we're talking about two back surgeries and knee surgery with Caleb Farley. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, you you know you're talking about a lot of players off the board. And uh, at the end of the day, it'll come to what the Chargers medical team wants to do and which players they think are okay, which players they think it won't be. But 
I feel like you just have so many slam dunk options from like a health perspective in the first round that like right. taking a risk on a Caleb Farley or taking a risk on somebody else uh, like Jalen Phillips just doesn't seem worth it when you could probably have Aziz Ojolari or and JC Horn if you wanted, right? Like when you yeah. can have players that one, I think are just straight up kind of better and two, don't have that injury history, even though say they have that potential 4-3 speed like Caleb Farley does. Um, I, I just think that's the scenario that I want to avoid in the first round. Um, you know, I, Mike Williams, I, I think, has worked out so far, but even he still has some, you know, occasional injuries following his rookie year. So I don't know. It's It wouldn't be a nightmare scenario if they, you know, banked on a Caleb Farley, but I'm not as much as Najee Harris. But <laughs> I, I do think it's a scenario that keeps me up at night thinking, oh, boy, this is going to go wrong. Well, it's so funny because Telesco last year said, like, we do value durability. Like, we, it is something that we take into consideration. And, like, you know, he almost, you know, he could have had the chance to take Tua. And I think if Tua were available, he probably would have. So, yeah. it's an interesting conversation. Tyler, you at one point had uh, Caleb Farley at your cornerback one. So, mm-hmm. how, what do you think of, of Alex's scenario here? No, I, I I agree. And that's why I've moved him down. And that's why Newsom is also below, you know, Sertan and Horn. Because, or at least on ter- in terms of big board, not in terms of grade, perhaps, the Chargers just can't afford to take another injured player, or with a, with an injury history at least, and then stick him in the lineup, and then go out and play 17 game regular seasons or 17 week, no, 17 game regular seasons, right? Yeah, okay. and then of course, you know, potentially make the playoffs or whatever. I just don't want them to do that. I forget who said it this offseason. I think they were talking about the Chargers signing older players, but they said. You know, the Chargers sign older players or they sign injured players Mm -hmm. or players with an injury history. And they wonder why every year they're beat up and injured. And so at this point, especially with what you said, Alex, if you have comparable players, you know, if it's Jalen Phillips or or Aziz Ojolari, granted, slightly different. But if you have two edge rushers there and and one does not have a serious concussion history, you take the other guy. You know, if Horn is sitting there and, you know, and Farley sitting there, too, you take the guy without the significant injury history. Right. Um, So I would love for them to avoid that. Um, I don't know when you guys want to answer this, but I want to throw this at you guys. If Derwin James were in this draft and he were available at 13, knowing what you do now, would you take him considering his injury history? That's a, that's a really tough question. That's probably going to piss a lot of people off, but (laughs) no, I wouldn't like, I, I think Derwin James is a fantastic player. Right. And, you know, we've seen his peak, but you know, he's been on the field for one full season. So I think this upcoming year is is very, very crucial for Derwin James, and he's got to stay on the field. He's got to play 14 games. It's a very similar conversation to what we were talking about with Hunter Henry, right, like last year and potentially warranting an extension or not. And obviously Hunter Henry did play, you know, essentially a full season without COVID, but that's a, that's a tough question. But I think if you're taking a first-round pick, like – some teams can afford to take swings on home runs right now. I don't think the Chargers are one of those teams. Like the Buccaneers, 100%. Like they could take a swing on whoever. They could go trade up for someone. They could go trade up for Caleb Farley, take that swing because they can afford that. The Chargers can't. Like the Chargers, I would love a home run pick, right? But the Chargers, frankly, just need a double. Like they don't need to have like this amazing all pro Hall of Fame player. They just need someone to be above average, whether that's at left tackle or corner or something. They just need to hit. They don't necessarily need to hit a home run. 
Yeah, and I just think it's also because of the positions of need that they have in particular. Not just that they need starters at those positions, but they also need depth, like in general, like down the lineup. And if your first pick is going to be a Caleb Farley or somebody like that who's had all these injuries and isn't quite dependable, then, you know, you're pushing that, you know, depth down the line, right? And, t- and if you take a Caleb Farley, say, over J.C. Horn, now you're saying, okay, well, now we have this injury injured guy that's not as dependable, and now if he gets hurt, oops, we have to put Brandon Faison in. Like, yeah. That's that's kind of the position you put yourself in. And, and like, look, they may take another corner, sign another corner um, at, at some point, but um, I just think with it's not specifically all the needs they have, but like just how thin this roster is. Once you get past the top spots, like say Michael Davis and Chris Harris. And once you get past them, it's not very deep. So, um, and you know, you could say the same thing about linebacker and a lot of the other positions on the roster that are good, but you know, they're, they just need um, more behind them. So I think if you're taking an injured player to start at a position that just, it puts you at a disadvantage, you know, obviously in the hypothetical that that player gets hurt again. Yeah, Caleb Farley's situation is, is tough, right? Because it's some medical injuries. You know, he opted out. He's only played one full season at the cornerback position. So, you know, Ben Fennell kind of floated the idea that in, in our conversation that, you know, some teams might be looking at like a redshirt situation for him where he's not playing as a rookie and, and just, you know, kind of getting him uh, healthy first and foremost, which I don't know if I would go that far, but, you know, it is interesting. So, Alex... If you're if the chart like if you know that the Chargers are trading down, at what point would you then be okay with Jalen Phillips or Caleb Farley if they're trading down? Um, the second round, I like. <laughs> I don't know. I like. I don't mean to be like harsh, but to me, like, if you're still on the board in the twenties and your choices are like Caleb Farley and Jalen Phillips, or you can take like Liam Eikenberg. I don't know. Like I'm kind of going to take Liam Eikenberg there. Like I know the upside argument, but OT is still their biggest need. And you have a guy who doesn't have serious health risks. Like to me, um, that's kind of the answer there. And maybe we look back on this in five years and and say, uh, Oh, Caleb Farley's actually had a great career and he's an all pro and he never got injured. And that would be great. Uh, But I just don't have high confidence in that happening. Um, Personally, I mean, given the Chargers injury luck and just given mm-hmm. the amount of injuries Caleb Farley has had. Uh, so for me, I think they do need an impact player who's going to play on day one um, in year one. Right. Particularly with this draft. Uh, so a redshirt idea is cool. I think, like you know, we talked about the Buccaneers and like all these teams that are super deep. Uh, and you can take a chance on not a project, but someone who's going to take a redshirt season or maybe comes in 10 games in uh, right. following their injuries and stuff like that. Or the Chiefs can do that because they're the Chiefs. But like the Chargers do need an impact player on day one, whether whether that's a quarterback, whether that's an offensive tackle, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's Najee Harris. Like they need someone who's going to come in on day one and make an impact. And I think if your injuries prevent you from doing that, it's like, what conversation are we having? You know, like Caleb Farley's mm-hmm. going to be a year away from being a year away. Like, I, I just don't think they can have this conversation with where the team is now. The only case I'll make for it, let's just make a case for it. I'll say the Chargers, if they have a player, let's say it's Farley, and they know he's 
he's going to register for, you know, 10 weeks or the whole season or whatever. I, it, I wouldn't take him anyway. But making a case for the Chargers are not going to the Super Bowl next year. So maybe That's they true. could wait for that player to get healthy because they are that good. Like I think Tom Telesco did draft Jerry Tillery knowing that he wasn't really going to have a full offseason and they wanted to have him like that next offseason you know, become the player that they're supposed to post Philip Rivers perhaps. Um, yeah, post Philip Rivers. Um, even though they knew like at that year they weren't going to be that good, you know, maybe down the line when we're supposed to start contending, he can be there. Same with Trey Pipkins, I guess. Like they knew that they he wasn't going to be their starter. Not a third round pick really shouldn't be, but they knew Pipkins wasn't going to start week one. But they knew post Rivers that by the time we get to that point, maybe he'll be ready. Uh, currently hasn't worked out yet, but that's <laughs> what I I could see them doing that for like Farley if they believe that it's just like a one yeah. thing. And they can get it all figured out this year. And then the next year, when we are supposed to be a contending team and we can make these crazy moves, you know, he's ready to go. Yeah. Is Tom Telesco just going to keep pushing this down the river so he's never (laughs) on the hot seat? Like, yeah, Caleb Farley, uh, he'll be ready in three years. Gruden is. I'm going to need need another extension if we really want to see the full potential of this roster. Right. you know, and that's the thing. Like, I saw, you know, that Drew Rosenhaus stuff where he was like, yeah, we actually checked Caleb Farley's medicals and all the doctors said he was okay. It's like, okay, <laughs> Drew Rosenhaus. And you're his just, agent. What are you supposed yeah, to say? Yeah. Like, what is he going to say? And like, oh, all the teams told me Gregory Rousseau is going to be a first round pick. Like, <laughs> just, yeah. Drew Rosenhaus is a snake oil salesman and do not listen to him or any agent that says anything about the guy that's supposed to make them money. Um, but I, I I don't know for me, um, I'm not down on Caleb Farley. Like I think talent and talent wise, he's the second or third best cornerback on this draft, depending on who you ask following Patrick Sertan. But, um, (laughs) I, I just think that you can't take that risk on his health. And, um, that goes for a lot of first round picks, like you mentioned with Jalen Phillips, but, um, and then there are, there are guys in the second or third rounds that I'm not like particularly keen on uh taking a chance on their health either um but for me i think the chargers need some impact players who are going to contribute this year at least day one and maybe two of the picks on day two yeah i think there is i think they're like i'm not not going to rule out caleb farley being a possibility just because of how talented he is you know if sertan and horn are both off the board and and the chargers are and maybe slater too and the chargers are looking at Farley or one of the tackles, be it Tevin Jenkins or Christian Derrissaw, I wouldn't be surprised if it were Farley. Like, I think that is a possibility. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, too. Yeah, so just it's definitely something to mention here. Um, let, let's move on to some non-first-round options here. Um, I, I think for me, one of the things that I have kind of moved off of, and even though I really, really like one of these players – I don't want the Chargers taking a tight end until day three. I don't think that they can afford to really take a chance on a on a tight end, a Hunter Long, a Tommy Tremble, who I who I love. I love Tommy Tremble uh, or Brevin Jordan because, frankly, they have too many other needs. You know, I think they've got to come away from the first four picks with three starters. Um, I think they've really got to be able to get a starting corner, a starting safety to go alongside Nasir Adderley and Derwin James or a starting edge rusher potentially, um, and obviously the offensive tackle. So if it's at 97, like I guess that's okay um, if Tommy Tremble is there or Hunter Long. But um, I, I'm at the point where I don't want to see them take a tight end. I'd much rather just prefer them kind of punt that position to next year, maybe take a blocking tight end uh, on day three. So that's kind of where I stand 
uh, on the tight end position now. Oh, do you want to go, Tyler? Nah. Okay. <laughs> um, <Well done. laughs> I, I, I don't have a problem necessarily taking a tight end as much um, just because I tend to not think that they're going to take a safety as high, even though, you know, you can make the argument for like a Richie Grant or somebody. I just feel like they're going to go, you know, corner at least in those top three. And then, you know, we talk about OT and potentially edge rusher or potentially a pick that's, you know, another defensive player um, in that realm. Uh, I don't have a problem taking tight end at 97. If, If Hunter Long is there, I'm fine with that. Um, but I also don't see it as like a huge need, uh, if they want to take, uh, a chance on it or just run it with, you know, Donald Parham, Steven Anderson and Jared Cook. I'm fine with that too. Uh, it's not like a dire need for me, but if you do find value and maybe a guy like Tommy Tremble falls farther than you thought he would, uh, and he ends up in the third round, like kind of wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I, I'm not, I guess I wouldn't hate it. Like I'm a big Brevin Jordan Bible thumper, whatever you want to call me. And I really support, you know, <laughs> taking him at some point, but like you can't take him in the second. Although look, if they did take him in the second, I would sort of be okay with it because at least you didn't take a wide receiver at 13. Like at least you took care of your, hopefully God, hopefully. Oh man. Wait till they take Jalen Waddle and then Brevin Jordan. <laughs> you know what? Then go for it. Honestly, if that's what they want to do, go for it. Like y'all's analytics and whatever told you that fine like whatever what do i even know at least one of those players can block somewhat i guess <laughs> yeah it's it's Jordan Jordan tackle. offensive tackle <laughs> yeah. there you go. big man highlights in the end zone i like it <laughs> oh man i don't know i just think that they have too many other needs at this point to take tight end i think you know you have donald parm as a developmental guy Stephen yeah. anderson jared cook i think that's a fine tight end room just punt it, take a blocking tight end like a Dylan Schoner or a Sean Byer, John Bates kind of player, um, and, and kind of just figure it out from there. Um, Alex, any any kind of day two, day three scenario that you want the Chargers to avoid right now? A lot of people say this to me. Uh, this is kind of an off-the-wall one, but a lot of people talk about drafting a kicker. Um, and I swear to God, do not draft a kicker. Like, we already (laughs) saw what happened with the Patriots Nazi kicker last year, and then he (laughs) didn't even make the team because they signed Nick Folk, who sucks. Um, But, like, I I just don't see the value in it. And, like, you have guys like Justin Tucker, and you have guys uh, like uh, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship last year with the Colts who were undrafted free agents and available, you know, in that department. So, like, yeah. if you want to get a guy to compete with Michael Badgley, which I, they already signed uh, Viscaino from, from Cincinnati, um, and I think they're going to sign uh, or sign an undrafted free agent maybe in that rotation, like, I'm fine with that. But, like, I never have understood, you know, oh, well, you got to get Jose Borregales or whatever from Miami because, you know, <laughs> that's been the best kicker. It's like... Yeah, but like you can use a six round pick on so many other things and you can probably still get Borregales as an undrafted free agent. Like I just don't see the value in burning a sixth or seventh round pick on that. Um, And I mean, they they do have two six round picks, so they can do it if they really wanted to. But for me, I just don't see what the purpose of it would be when we've seen time and time again, you can just get a guy in undrafted free agency to compete um, in their competition. I'm looking at draft history, and I can't believe the team that won the Super Bowl last year, J. 
just a few years ago traded their third and fourth round pick to move up in the second to get a kicker. Um, so that didn't that clearly didn't work out. And and then they, they drafted another kicker two years ago too. Oh, did they really? They drafted my guy Matt Gay. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that wasn't like the fifth or sixth round though. That wasn't trading up to get him in the second. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, no. yeah. If, if you take a kicker in the third round of the draft, you get a kicker who does really well in the regular season, that makes it to the playoffs and chokes. I'm referring to Nate Kading here. And the guy who broke most of his, or not most of his records, but many of his records was Michael Badgley as an undrafted free agent. So don't feel like you have to take a guy. Please don't. If you take on day three, I guess that's fine. Like Drew Kayser was a fine punter, but don't take a freaking guy in the first three rounds. Good Lord. Yeah, that, that would be something else. I, like I, I could understand the logic of taking like a seventh round kicker because they sure. do have nine picks. Yeah. But it's like, you could have just signed someone you know, a little more of a higher profile to compete with Badgley if you wanted to bring mm-hmm. in competition, like legitimate competition for him. I don't know, like Vizcaino, like, sure, he could be like, you know, uh, this kind of, you know, hidden gem, so to speak, but he's kicked like three attempts in the NFL. So if you really wanted legitimate competition for Badgley, you could have signed literally anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I, I just say that from the standpoint of just getting bodies, right? Like, you right. know, get, I don't know, get like 10 kickers in undrafted free <laughs> and just have them have them all stand at the 50-yard line and see <laughs> who can make it. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I I just don't see the point in, in using a pick on one. Like, we've talked about the depth that this team should be having um, at, at the depth they don't have with a lot of positions. And I feel like if you're going to burn a pick on a kicker who – may not even make the team either because Michael Badgley, you know, keeps his spot or Viscaino wins the job or any of these other theoretical scenarios, like, you know, then it's going to look like a wasted pick. And then, you know, in a couple of years, we'll be talking about how they could have had some killer wide receiver like Emir Smith-Marset, but <laughs> they decided to take, you know, I don't know, whatever, the kicker from Miami. I don't even remember his name. And I just said it two minutes ago. <laughs> Kickers right, don't matter. Okay, kickers do matter, but kickers do not matter in the draft. Well, they, <laughs> they everybody matter. wants a Justin Tucker, but nobody wants to be able to do the work to find a Justin Tucker. Yeah, exactly. Game. So, um, Tyler, what's a scenario for day two, day three that you want the Chargers to avoid? It's kind of a general train of thought. I don't want the Chargers to take a player because he is versatile, simply because he's versatile. Don't mistake that <laughs> for like better value than someone who's really good at their job. And I, I know Chargers fans, and we've talked about the idea of taking versatile players, particularly on defense, and you know, understandably so, but it shouldn't supersede a player who's really good at like one particular job. So like yeah. in round, you know, maybe pick 97, I'm not taking Darius Stills, who can rush, you know, outside as a three-four defensive end, or maybe rush inside, but isn't really great at either, over someone like Tyler Shelvin, who really only has one role, but he's way better at it. Or I'm not going to take um, I'm not going to take Sean Wade who played, you know, inside and, and better at it in 2019, but outside in 2020. I'm not taking him over like a Paulson Adebo, who will probably play more outside. I'm not going to take Sean Wade over him just because Wade can do both and like is more versatile. Um, right. You know, just if, if the guy is good at his one job, like so be it. Take him and let him be good at that job. And I, I just hope that they don't just pick versatility just for the sake of it. Like that only gets you so far. If you're not really good at one thing, you're not going to be on the field. Yeah, well, there's there's a huge difference in, in like Richie Grant versatility and Sean right. Wade versatility, right? Exactly. So or a Jeremiah Wusukoromoa versatility and like a Zayvon Collins versatility, even. You know, mm. I, I think that 
you know, the word versatility gets thrown around so much. And like, you know, if you're looking at, you know, somebody like Elijah Vera Tucker, who we've seen play at an elite level in college at left tackle and guard, or someone like a, a Royce Newman from Ole Miss, who is like a third, fourth, fifth round pick, who's played tackle and guard, but not really that good. Like, there's a difference between being versatile, like truly versatile and just mm-hmm. kind of being a, like a master of none. And I think yep. that's kind of where that conversation is headed. Yeah, um, I'm going to be honest. It's probably my fault that we use the word versatile <laughs> so much um, because I used it with Isaiah Simmons last year and I used it with Hamza Nasruddin this year. And it's just like I look at the box snaps and I'm like, ooh, I watched this guy on video and he had 300 snaps in every level. Right. <laughs> that is fun. Um, so, you know, that's a bit of my uh, guilty pleasure. But I do think that, uh, yeah, when we talk about versatility, like if you have a guy that you really like, uh, I think that that's just you take whoever you think is going to be the better player over whatever, you know, versatility there is. I do think there is functional versatility from the standpoint that, like, okay, you know, like special teams, right? Like we talk mm-hmm. about, hey, has this guy, does this guy have special teams experience? Like to me, that's a bit more like proper versatility than, oh, this guy has been a cornerback in a lot of different schemes or something like that. So um, I think if a guy has done a lot of uh, things that aren't necessarily his role or his position, that's kind of what I like to see in versatility, especially something like special teams kind of on a resume. Um, But yeah, I I don't value uh, versatility over draft position for sure. No doubt. All right, guys. Any other thoughts here before we wrap up today's show? Draft Richie Grant. <laughs> Thanks for bringing yes. him up. Yes, <laughs> I, I concur. Um, I hope everybody has fun at the draft in one week. And <laughs> I hope they don't take uh, Nashi Harris. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think the biggest mistake that we can all agree on that we want the Chargers to avoid it is not investing – it doesn't have to be the first round pick, I guess. But one of the one of the first two picks has to it be a cracks. left tackle. Please, for the love of God, take a left tackle in the first two rounds. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, I tweeted out earlier uh, from our podcast page an opportunity for the giveaway for whoever the Chargers draft in the first round. I know some of you probably won't want an offensive lineman jersey, uh, but it's a free jersey that you that you get no matter what. So. Go enter that. We are going to do a live Q&A on Friday. We'll do another one on Wednesday right before the draft. And then on Thursday, we will be doing live stream the entire draft with us. Uh, that's what, that's where we will announce the winner of that jersey. We're also going to be giving away some gift cards, a couple t-shirts, a couple hats. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Come join us that day. Come join us for the other Q&As. Uh, and uh, as always, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.